you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL Podcast knows when daddy is coming home. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by Head and Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined by Rufil. Some heroes. Some heroes. Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Some yeah. heroes that have spent roughly, you know, 12 straight hours together today. And, you know, we've really bonded. I feel like we've... We've really uh, become a tight-knit group. I feel the opposite, in okay. fact. I feel that there's never been a greater <laughs> Were you guys hanging out at us. 6 a.m.? What were you doing together that early? <laughs> I don't know. It feels that long. It is. This is a long day these Sundays. But who's complaining? We're getting paid to watch football. Am I right, guys? Hey, life could be oh, worse. Correct. All right. This is the Week 9 uh, Recap uh, episode. It is the flagship program of the Around the NFL podcast, often imitated. And when I say often, I mean often imitated. It ain't never duplicated. In a friendly fire sort of fashion, duplicated by some people that you know would claim to be close to us and allies. Mm. Leave it open-ended. I like it, Mark. But also on the nose. So many games to get to today uh, in what was a... Uh, Greg, give me, I don't know, give me a letter grade for the Sunday that was. Do an A-plus so people definitely keep listening. B. All right. Solid B. B. See, B, B you won't turn it off if he says B. You'll say, hmm, okay. It seems like. You always got to end with a bang. And really, the the late afternoon uh, had two games that were quite intriguing. Well, and let's not forget the Sunday night football matchup we'll get to later. Yeah, well, very exciting uh, slate of games. We're going to get through all of them as we do each episode. And uh, uh, we also, a little bit later, we'll have our friend Nick Shook checking in. Uh, So very excited. Of course, Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. Oh, good times, folks. Let's get into the games. Uh, and let's start with one of those late games. In fact, a little Tony Romo special. How special? Very special. It was Tony Romo day at Jarrow World. Uh, Romo got a little choked up, uh, in fact, after um, a little Jason Witten video display. And then they sent it to Jimmy Nance. And Tony was all choked up. Very nice scene. Uh, but then there was a football game to be played. And it was a good one. Smith in the gun. Fourth down and eight. Snap is back. Looking, standing, throwing middle, intercepted, intercepted by Jeff Heath at the 40-yard line. The first interception thrown by Alex Smith all year long. Brad Sham, KRLD, the Sham God. Jeff Heath had a key fourth-quarter interception. Uh, Zeke Elliott scored the go-ahead touchdown, and the Cowboys continued their surge. A 28-17 win over the Chiefs at Jarrah World. Uh, loud Jarrah World. You hear that? People having fun. Cowboys game. People like to knock that stadium for not being loud. Not true today. Uh, yeah, nice facility over there. Uh, Greg, Dallas is starting to resemble the team that ran roughshod over the NFL for the majority of last season. Today, they took control in the second half against a very good Chiefs team. 
very they just leaned on him. And this is a good Chiefs team, but it's not a good Chiefs defense. And much like the Steelers leaned on the Chiefs and just warmed down, that's what the Cowboys did. I mean, the second half of this game was reminding me of the two thousand and what was it, fifteen Cowboys team with with Tony Romo at quarterback, just holding the ball forever. Uh, Twelve play drive for a touchdown when they had just fallen down in the game where it looked like the Chiefs had momentum. Then to start the fourth quarter, a 13-play touchdown drive, and the Chiefs really never recovered from that. They just pushed on them, and this Chiefs defense, I'm not going to say it's soft, but it's light, and I think that's going to be a problem for them as they move forward. Yeah, I mean, only three Cowboys possessions in the second half, but as you said, elongated, clock-chewing, Drives that really, you know, squeeze the life out of Kansas City. The, the Chiefs have now somewhat quietly lost three of four uh, after that five and zero start. And yeah, I think you're right, Greg. It, I, you don't want to rip the Chiefs and say, "Oh, their defense stinks." But the loss of Eric Berry in Week One, I think that's week after week, it shows itself, and you wonder. Um, uh, with that offense, they're going to continue to score points. That incredible touchdown that Tyreek uh, Hill scored right before the end of uh, uh, the half where it was basically a check down to just try to get some yardage, some fantasy points that turned into a touchdown. That was amazing. They're always going to score points uh, with all those playmakers. But is this a championship defense? I don't think so. But they have to score... 30 points. They have to score. Right. They have to be great. And they started this game out with a couple three and outs. And they, they this is just a team that kind of can't afford that. I agree with that. But then I was just looking at what remains for Kansas City and they go into their bye week. After that, you have games against the Giants, Bills, Jets, Raiders, Chargers, Dolphins and Broncos. OK, that's I'm not worried. It's five or six of the weakest teams in the league right now. I'm not worried about them making the playoffs or even necessarily win that. Just doing what they, the stumbling block always comes when they get into the playoffs. I mean, this is already a different team, though, yes. than those past Chiefs teams. But yeah, you get the, or maybe it isn't. Maybe that year, for instance, where they got knocked off by Andrew Luck, where they did score a lot of points, but the defense killed them. They, they don't want that fate. They got to win a couple playoff games. It's been a long time since they really went deep into the postseason. The Cowboys have really looked like one of the NFL's better teams, though, the last few weeks because they have that offense and because they can make plays on defense. They are a little more balanced. David Irving with another big play today. Demarcus Lawrence really played some complimentary football and that Tyreek Hill touchdown was insane and kind of took it away. But he made a couple plays on his own that gave the ball back to the Cowboys and set up a late first half touchdown drive when it looked like for all the world that the Chiefs were going into score. I mean, he's making plays. Sean Lee's making plays on his own. Like, they have enough on defense. And Tony Romo made a very, uh, I'm sure, astute point. Nothing I would know about how they've really changed their running scheme over the last three or four weeks, doing a little more misdirection play, mixing it up, and it's really working. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is right now a very solid candidate for defensive player of the yeah. year, which is not something you thought would, you would have gotten from this Cowboys defense in the offseason when everyone's calling it the Achilles heel that would drag them down and, you know, ship them out of the playoff picture. And we'll say, well, two, two points were made. One was, you know you're a good team when you do take a shot in the mouth like that at the end of the second quarter, the first drive of the third quarter, where the Chiefs, again, a very good team, seize control of the game, and then you just wrestle right back. And then the other point is, here we go again. Now we're back into limbo with the Cowboys, with Zeke Elliott. This, this could be his last game for six weeks, I mean, although who knows at this point. When we last podcasted, we didn't even mention the fact that Ezekiel Elliott might be able to play for this game. And oh, I was, it was, I was like kicking a- myself on Friday for at least not mentioning that the fourth of their Hail Marys that week was going up, and maybe he, he could play. And it's hanging over this whole season, which feels a little cursed because this Cowboys team is so much fun to watch in the NFC East race with those two teams, Eagles and Dallas, playing, including on a Sunday night game in a couple weeks. Like th- Those would be the best games of the season. Got to find out. Not be there. Got to find out if Judge Kathy F. <laughs> takes another vacation, then returns from a yet another vacation yeah. and, and, and drops she's, her hammer again. She's uh, not summering, falling <laughs> at Mount Airy Lodge in the Poconos. And bef- before we move on, I do just want to ask Mark for his thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs touchdown celebration with they did the sock you know, hop race. You know, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I believe. I don't know what to call it. Is it concept. like a potato sack? Potato sack. Yeah, it was, it was a potato sack. I don't know if I believe in the concept of football gods, if if they exist. Uh, as, as we mentioned, Dan and I have a lot uh, or if of, God of arguments with them. Yeah. But I will say this, that I kind of think if there are football gods, they said, hey, little potato sack jumping Chiefs players in Dallas, you're going down because I locked this game up, by the way. Mark was not amused when the sack race was going on. 
No. This is one of those great angry Sessler days. Very vengeful God. <laughs> I was not angry. Was I? <laughs> Let's move on. I don't remember. Cousins in the shotgun. Takes a snap. Looking. Going down the left sideline. Looking for Doxon. Caught! It is it. caught! Inside the five to the one-yard line. He might have rolled in. Wow. What a catch by Josh Doxon. He laid it all out that time. I don't know. I don't remember. You're like the wolf man. <laughs> it's like a full moon. He's like, you wake up the next morning and your what have clothes I done? are torn and there's a dead body in the on the front lawn and you're just like, what just happened? Look, I appeared at work today. <laughs> I was tasked with a variety of, of items and I handled them all with professionals. You're a total pro. Also a total pro. Larry Michael, WTEM with the call. Josh Dotson's clutch diving catch set up a Rob Kelly one-yard touchdown plunge with less than a minute to play. The Washington Redskins rally to upset the Seattle Seahawks 17-14 to at the Clink. Maron, Mark, Seattle dominated this game in many ways, but Washington somehow ended up on top. How? It, it was a very wild game. And I think if, you, if you're if you one of the rare fans at this point that wants to see two defenses knock out a pair of offenses, that's what happened for so much. This game was 2 nothing for a long period of time. You, the, Seattle also was dominated for much of the game by Washington's defense. I think, the, the, forget the numbers, Washington played its best defensive outing of the season. Wow. I think they did. I up they gave up 400 Up until the yards. end. Here's the thing. Up until the end, and I'll tell you why. The first 10 drives for Seattle generated zero points and all that all there. that Seattle had was Russell Wilson running around but you just can't you, you have to find a way to get to him to really to really squelch this offense and he was set free he ran great today he extended plays and it, it, it was one of these games that looked like it was going to end up like you know 10 to 2 or something until both teams had these drives at the end of the game and Washington's offense is the one that could not get on track at all against Seattle's defense until that final drive they only had 135 yards it was pathetic until the last couple drives but then they got the ball moving when it when it mattered. And you know what the Seahawks have? You said, you know, what do they have? They have a team that's built to win close, low-scoring games. And when you have your kicker miss three field goals, that whole plan kind of goes out the window. So they're, they're a defensive team in theory without a running game and now with a kicker who might have the yips. I had a knot in my stomach throughout the end of that game because there were two separate portions of the game where it looked like Blair... Walsh was going to be kicking for his career first uh, when Seattle scored the go-ahead touchdown, and then when they got the ball back and got it inside the 40, uh, where it looked like they would have a chance to tie the game, and then they take a, a bad sack uh, on a play in which uh, a rare, it was a little sloppy Seattle's execution at the end of that game, both in terms of their, their clock management and then um, the decision by Russell Wilson to try to get off another play instead of spiking the ball, which led to that sack, which basically ended any chance of, of a comeback for the Seahawks. And I know uh, Seahawks fans get mad at me because I've been having some fun with, uh, with them on Twitter because they're a little sensitive. Sensitive thugs need hugs. They can you be. Know? Um, about saying the Legion of Boom is kind of the, the heyday. I think they I said they were literally dead last week. Which is a little hyperbolic in retrospect, but you're still having fun. Um, <laughs> even with Earl Thomas out of this game, and he was hurt, a hamstring injury, the Legion of Boom should not be giving up a uh, four-play 70-yard drive with a game on the line no. in your building. You cannot let that happen. It's, I don't care it's the how kind of loss that make I, – I, I really always – you cannot do anything but trust Pete Carroll in this group to find a way to get, get it back on its feet and get back in the playoffs. But it's a concerning loss for me because Washington has not been a team – that has been a consistent, like, you're going to go into Seattle and knock them out this way? Well, missing three or four offensive linemen, missing Jamison Crowder, right. missing Jordan Reed. It was a great gutsy performance by Kirk Cousins to make do with what he had, including the first throw on that game-winning drive when he got hit. Dwight Freeney's having a game for the Seahawks. Like, it looked How like old he is might, that guy? It's insane. He comes off the bench. And then the touchdown to to Doxon. I mean, it's not the Legion of Boom anymore because the whole idea of the Legion of Boom was all the pieces are strong. And like they just have a guy, Shaq Griffin, out on the right corner right there. And they're playing bump and run at the end of the game, which the NBC you know guys pointed out. It's like, why do you have Shaq Griffin? Why are you trusting him one-on-one -on -one in that scenario? And Doxon, who's, we've been waiting for him to make plays like this. That was an, it was a couple incredible plays by Cousins and Doxon. To we've seen a few hints of Doxon and it, and it, and it today it, it materialized. I will say their two best performances in this game that I saw were Zach Brown for Washington and Bobby Wagner for Seattle. 
and fascinating performance by Bobby Wagner. Lights out. If you love, yeah, if you like defensive football, there the, from minute one, these teams were really hitting each other. It was, it was a fun one. game. It was a fun game. Second one. The second minute, like the first second of the game. You said minute one. No, the first minute. That was just I, a yeah, kickoff. Everyone's kind of feeling each other out I think for the it was first a fifty-nine seconds. Then the first minute clicked in. Okay. And Craig is correct. This, this, okay. I mean, if I was, you know, this might have been, you know, start of the show material. This game. This was a sneaky, uh, fun game of the year. I it really was. was. I was going. First of all, Legion of Boom ended when Brandon Browner left the team. Obviously. Okay. Uh, number two, I was going to make this the lead game, but then I didn't want to hurt your feelings, Craig, because. Oh, bring it. It's all going down. Back into the cellar he goes. Well, we're we, it's been a great run. Um, you know this this team of I don't. It doesn't really make sense that I'm a coach of a team of locks, but we're looking ahead to next season. We're, gonna, we're rebuilding. Already we're rebuilding. Is this like when Kyle Shanahan ruled out the 2012? Right, that was Mike Shanahan. But yeah, yes, that Mike was. This is so unlike you because when you look at actual football teams, they could be three and six right now, and you'd say, No, no, no. There's weeks to go, if not no. months to go. But it, you've already counted is, out your team. It's over. In I mean, real, Dan's too fast. That it's is over. you want to. You want. I want to see more resiliency from you. Well, in real life, I know what he would do in real life. Head to Las Vegas? Yeah, as soon as... Well, we don't say that around here, but he would go for a drive into the desert, and uh, he'd he'd say, I got to get this back. Hey. And that's when it gets dangerous. (laughs) That was, by the way, nice comeback by Washington, wasn't it, Mark? Come back, Colonels, with Mark Sessler. 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 Come back. Let's move on. Third down, 33. Nine and a half to go. Bubble screen left side. Robert Woods charging ahead. 45 breaks inside 40. 35-30. Robert Woods, first down, 20. 10-5. Touchdown. Dark days for the G Men. <laughs> JB Long, KSPN, with the call. Jared Goff threw for a career high four touchdown passes, including that little miracle of an ineptitude to Robert Woods. And the Rams cruised to a shockingly easy 51 17 win over the Giants, who appear headed toward a major offseason facelift. Uh, let's now welcome. The man, the myth, the legend. Guy gets a pump in. He gets a pump in whenever he can. That is a grotesque sound. Whenever he can. Oh, it's Shuck. He gets a pump in at the gym. Sounds like he's working in the metal shop or something. That was cook. ear poison. I don't, um, I don't grunt that. Yes, Nick Shook is here. What's up, Shook? Uh, the Rams have won five out of six and are off to their best eight-game start since 2001. Went to the Super Bowl that year. Why shouldn't we buy in on a team that could be this exclu- explosive on both sides of the ball? Wait, why shouldn't we buy in? Yeah, why not? Why shouldn't we? Yeah, I agree. Let's I mean, buy a, in. a total buy-in. Yeah, I'm going all in. I'm pushing all the chips in. I might be the last one on the table, and I might have the lowest percentage of winning and not know that yet. But I'm going all the way in because today. <laughs> Look at you! Wow. Okay. The Rams won in all cards three talk. phases. Cards talk. The <laughs> cards talk with Nick Shook. All three phases of the game, the Rams dominated, and I know the Giants are the Giants, and it's it's a it's a spooky year for them, as you kind of alluded to there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Rams took care of business in a game that you know very easily they could not have. If they were the Rams team that we saw last year or a team that maybe was more of a pretender than a contender. But today, I mean, they, they simply dominated in every phase of the game. And you they've know? already outscored last year's Rams team. By like 35 That's points. Which is absolutely Wait, nuts. By 35 Nine. points, which is like a month worth of Jeff Fisher offensive ball. You, you know, you mentioned all the points for the Rams, all the great defensive plays. You know, one thing I didn't see today was in my Twitter mentions. None of those little chucklers saying, oh, the, the team of around the NFL curse. Oh, you guys are cursed. Beat it, chucklers. This, this team had a one loss, you know, since we took them on, and then they're rallying. They haven't lost since, so back off. I like that. Greg. <laughs> Very Sorry, Nick. No, you're good. I, I, I'll stay on the soapbox, please. By all means, defend them. The weird thing about this game was uh, the Rams had dominated in, in total yards, but a lot of the stats were really close. Like, mm. they, they, both teams were 50% on third down conversions. 
time of possession, the Rams only won that by 30 seconds. But the big difference was the turnover battle, which is, you know, that's sunk the Giants for most of the year. Oh, we have a chuckler, by the way. Live via satellite. <laughs> it's Johnny Chuckles. <laughs> hey, Greggy, you're right. We should have never counted out the Rams. They are the true team of ADL. <laughs> Johnny Chuckles. Shoot him down. <laughs> I want to see this. So glad we could have brought him in via satellite technology. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. I, it's amazing. I mean, Jared Goff only threw 22 passes in this game. This is about, about a month straight of work for Jared Goff where he doesn't even need to throw because his defense is running game. Everything else is doing so well. Do you recall that episode of Hard Knocks last year when they were in camp and, and Jeff Fisher, I think he was talking to Les Snead, it might have been somebody else, about he was watching Jared Goff throw and he saw this, saw this touchdown pass during practice and, oh, you know, that's a big time throw right there. His touchdown pass to Sammy Watkins was that yeah. time throw that we really haven't seen from him until now. Hmm. That's 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 true. And the Giants, meanwhile, are a total mess. Um, a game that was over by the half in the Meadowlands. It's just a really bad look after the game. Uh, ben McAdoo had to face the press, as coaches have to do. Uh, and he was asked what what he told the team at halftime. Let's hear uh, how McAdoo responded. Would you say that at halftime? Um. What did you say to them at halftime? Um, followed by 10 seconds. And now let's isolate the sound, uh, Lindsay, uh, and and listen again. Oh, no. This guy's in trouble. This guy's in serious trouble, Greg. We had a conversation downstairs that that uh, you think he'll, he'll be okay. I think Ben McAdoo is in deep, deep, deep doo-doo here. And this is the type of loss that gets coaches fired. I think he'll make it to the end of the year. But I would be really surprised if he's back after this season. This season has gone into a dark place. Well, first, they have half the season to go, so that'll obviously play an impact how that half season plays out. I just think the Giants historically are very patient. He's coached for two years. In one of those two years, he was a surprise playoff team. So just judging by their track record, I would think they would give him another chance. I mean, I I think that also the, the finger has to be pointed towards the front office that has refused for seasons on end to fix an offensive line that has doomed their aging quarterback and the pieces around him. Yeah, I think, I think the blame centers on Jerry Reese. I mean, as much as we can say McAdoo, you know, maybe lost his team. Right. Or, or his guys have quit on him. And, and, you know, they've dealt with a lot of injuries. Right. And Janoris Jenkins is suspended and Olivier Vernon's been hurt. But the reality is you go look, you know, in the box score, you can look at the long catch everyone has. All right, Robert Woods, 52. Sammy Watkins, 67. Cooper Cup, 35. Todd Gurley, 44. Gerald Everett, 44. That's five plays of 35 yards or more that this Giants defense, which was supposed to be the bedrock of the team, they've stunk this year. They've been bad defense. Yeah, a flip side, the Rams have not given up more than 17 points since October 1st. And they're coming off a 33 to nothing shutout of the Cardinals and look great again today. Uh, We could be talking team of ATL. In Minnesota. We got a chance at Whoa. least. This is a Super Bowl contender. You mean in week 11? No, I mean they're I, a contender to make mean, the Super Bowl. I they're one like, of the best teams in the NFL. I feel like we should be brought out for the Super Bowl like coin toss if that happens. I just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'll just throw it out there. Right, so the Giants go down. The Rams are now 6-2. and two. Uh, What was going on with the division leaders in the NFC East? Let's check in. First and 10. Lentz comes back to Ajay again. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. At the 20. At the 15. 10 5. He dives. And he is in for the touchdown. His first touchdown as an eagle. A 46 yard explosion by Jay Ajayi. The great Merrill Reese of WIP with the call. Jay Ajay started his Eagles career with a bang, and the Eagles brought the Rocky Mountain Avalanche to its knees, a 51-23 win. Mark, Carson Wentz threw for four more touchdowns. Uh, he now has an NFL best 23 for the season. He's got 17 in the last five games. The MVP drumbeat is getting louder, and the Eagles look like the team to beat in the NFC. Well, the way that they're winning games right now is – very reminiscent of dominant old NFC teams that were built to thrash opponents down the stretch. And they have a deep and versatile backfield. And But let's start with Carson Wentz, because what we saw today was a continuation of the high moments we've seen this whole season, where 
He's drawing a very good Broncos defense offsides multiple times in the first half with his cadence, his pre-snap reads. The guy can make every type of throw. He's aggressive. He had a couple throws today where he, he threw it right into Denver's secondary, and he put it right in a window where only the receiver could get it, and there was just absolutely no let-up. And then so they were so dominant. They're in the, by, the, by the time they get to halftime, you then are allowed to take Carson Wentz essentially out of the game plan to some degree. He's handing the ball off to Jay Ajayi, to Corey Clement, to LeGarrett Blunt, and they are all hammering Denver's defense, which is tired out by the second half. And you get a 51-23. to 23. You scored 51 points on the Denver Broncos defense, and not a single item about that was a mirage. Sizzler loves this Eagles. I do, Watch because it. they, they, you know what, there's a lot of sloppy football, and there's a lot of watered-down teams. This is the opposite right now. Which is wild because it was kind of unexpected from them. I mean, I think so. I had him as my NFC East champs. There's people saying that Doug Peterson's not on even a real coach. Box. Well, you picked them to win the, the NFC East for the past five years. You well, finally got it right. Exactly. If you pick the Eagles and the Saints every year, you're going to get it right. And this is that year. Big year for Greg. <laughs> and the Pats back in first place in the AFC East. Everything's All right. coming All up right. rosy. All right. It is, it is unexpected, but we expected this defense to be good. The, the surprise is that. The, the Broncos defense caved in so much. You have to give credit to Wentz. And, Dan, you've been pumping up the, the Wentz MVP bandwagon. And I think this is the week where now I'm taking it, I'm taking it more seriously. If you, can, if you can cave in a Broncos defense, it really haven't all year. This was 250 yards in the first half against this defense, and you got a chance. Well, and on the flip side, you had Brock Osweiler. And I, I guess for me the question oh, was... I can't believe it. <laughs> there you go. And, like, it's... I, I don't know. I know you needed to sit Trevor Simeon and, and really kind of reset him, but what did you expect to get with Brock Osweiler? Was it going to be something? I think they. I bet they kind of expected this, maybe a little better. But I think very much either Trevor Simeon or whether it's Paxton Lynch next week or the week after, uh, they just needed something, and they put Osweiler. They're paying him, so we need you in a spot here. And of course, he fell on his face because he's not not a good quarterback. I. During the telecast, they mentioned that they had talked to people inside the building that didn't feel like Paxton Lynch health-wise was going to be back next week, and they weren't sure when. But I think as soon as he's available, you get him in there because – and we we did talk about Denver as a team where you could wind up seeing all these quarterbacks at some point, and that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it's shocking to me how much they've collapsed. When we were – when they were at 4-1 and or 3-1, and was it – we were thinking of them as a potential – Super Bowl type of thing. It all changed right. on Sunday Night Football when the Giants, who had nothing, no Odell Beckham, no hope, came came in that building and, and just blew the doors off them. And at the time, it just seemed weird. But now that turned out to be a team that was just about to fall off the cliff themselves. Uh, let's move on. First and 10 on the 11 of San Francisco. Shotgun snap. Stanton straight drop back. Looks right. Throws right in the end zone. It is caught for a touchdown. Two touchdown passes in the first half for Drew Stanton. Yes, Drew Stanton threw two touchdown passes. Adrian Peterson, a career-high 37 rushes for 159 yards. And the Arizona Cardinals uh, had a 20-10 to win over the 49ers, who have Jimmy Garoppolo on the sideline but still do not possess a single win. Mark that race for number one between the Niners and Browns. Back-to-back years, it's coming down to the uh, wire. It's going to be exciting. Well, and I think it'll be an interesting moment for Browns fans. Giants when might get in the mix here. They yeah. might. When Giants the, are going for it. When the 49ers have Garoppolo, and they also win the number one pick, and Kyle Shanahan refuses to do a business with Cleveland if they try to trade up for some quarterback because Kyle Shanahan cannot stand the Cleveland Browns. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Shook, we all rode off the Cardinals after Carson Palmer went down, but they're 4-4. Four and four. How about that? Yeah, but it's the Niners. I mean, I... I don't, I'm not a big. No, they're four and four. You, you were That's trying all. to you were trying to uh, support the Niners for a while there. Yeah, I was because their defense had played well uh, in a few weeks until they played the Cowboys and they've kind of fallen apart since then. They only allowed 20 points today, but this Cardinals team, there's a reason that they ran the ball 37 times with Adrian Peterson because they have Drew Stanton at quarterback. And I'm sorry, but I wouldn't believe in Drew Stanton as far as I could throw him. As with you know, but that's very far. No, that's not that far. Oh. <laughs> 37 this carries. strong. 159 yards for you math wizards you're at home. Pretty good arm out there in the, the outfield. You know, you could throw a pretty Yeah, but this is, not, this is Stop. not a, a baseball. A this is a human man. I do have a ring. Just throwing that out there, Greg. <laughs> for you math wizards at home, that's 4.3 <laughs> yards per carry, which I did not do the math for. I got that off NFL.com. Thank you. <laughs> uh, they, what an honest man. 
<laughs> they do this because you, you don't want to throw the ball. I mean, they know that's going to turn in. It's going to result in turnovers. It's going to put them out of the game. And right now, they're trying to figure out ways to win the game with the limited options that they have. And really, and this is the Niners I'm speaking about now, not the Cardinals. Uh, and really, they, they still have to learn how to win games. So what you have right here in, the, in this game was two teams who know that they're both limited to an extent. The Cardinals with more talent on offense, but with a quarterback who's not good, who's a backup. And the Niners with an equally bad quarterback in C.J. Beathard, who, surprise, surprise, for yet another day, was hit over 20 times. 21 beat times, hard. exactly. 21 and, times! And beat hard was beat hard. Times. So if you want to sit back and ask, why? Why aren't they playing Jimmy Garoppolo when they just traded for him? Well, perhaps it's because they don't want to see him get destroyed. I mean, that's watching this game, and I was keeping an eye on it because of the whole draft pick thing, but I mean, the beating that he took... Yeah, you. I really do wonder if may. I mean, it's like they're they're stuck because you have to put Jimmy G in there to see what you have, and maybe you know well, it's you the try to win. But maybe it's the difference between if if he's this good between when you have Tom Savage in Houston and you have Deshaun Watson. Everything changes when Garoppolo gets in there. But why the, do you, why do you assume that the 49ers are trying to win? Aren't they in a full scale rebuild? I'm sure they want a win. And that's my thing. Why, what are you going to put that? What are you going to put Garoppolo in there for? What, you really want to win two games? You want to uh, make by that logic, though. You know, you're not playing any of your best players. Well, you need to see and what you, you have. Play. If you're going to resign play. this guy just, to a, at some point, right. yeah, I, I would expect him to start next week. I have no information. No one said anything, but to me, it would be weird if he's not starting in a week. If not this week, then next. Week. I, I can see him starting after the bye week, which isn't you here yet for them. Um, Nick Shook, you have come in. You've you've hit a home run, three run shot right over the left fielder's head, uh, and. <laughs> We just love having you there. This is a weird drop. This, I mean, <laughs> it's too long. There's too much grunting. This that, all... that little bit right there. You're telling me I had to put it together today, and I was sitting in here editing it, and everyone's looking at me like there's something severely wrong with me. <laughs> like, what is Lindsay listening to right now? I was like, this you is the workplace. This is weird. You like, created this? Lindsay has an email from HR tomorrow morning. I love that Lindsay created that. She did it. From, that is came from her mind of Lindsay Fulton. All right. It was all Dan's idea. All right, let's play him out. Let's play him out. Nick <laughs> Shook, thank you for stopping by. Now you got to get a pump in. It's thighs and tries day. We're going back to this sound effect. <laughs> oh, I, we're going to be listening to this one a lot because I've spent plenty of time on this. Um, thank you, Nick. Let's move on. Snap to Ryan. Matt pumps, throws, looking for Jones. He's wide open. And he dropped it. Hit him in the hands. He fell down. The ball bounds away. Incomplete. West Durham of WZG with the call. Julio Jones' wide open end zone drop was a perfect metaphor for what's quickly becoming a lost season for the defending NFC champion Falcons, who stumbled on offense yet again in a 2017 loss to the Panthers in Charlotte. Greg Jones' drop was an absolute killer. But it's not all on that one play. This is a continued issue with the Falcons. They just don't score enough points. It's it's not on that play, but just even hearing the radio call makes it lose a little context. It's fourth and seven right there, and they know the coverage that they're going to get, and they know that play is going to be open deep, and they decide, you know what? We're the Falcons. We got Matt Ryan. We got Julio Jones. Let's go for it. The exact same play literally was wide open in the first quarter on the first drive of the game and Matt Ryan overthrew him. So here it is. This is going to turn the game around and Julio Jones drops it. So two times today, you can't blame Steve Sarkeesian. You have the exact perfect play dialed up and the two best players on your whole team, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, botch it. So do you, when you look at Atlanta's offense right now, do you, what, last year's Matt Ryan, is it, that was just a one-year thing, and that's not really who he is? Because this is much more like the Matt Ryan of two years ago and much more like Matt Ryan of other seasons that we've seen. Well, the, fr- the frustrating thing, if you were a Falcons fan, is they look so close for so many big chunks of this game where they, they're moving the ball. They start with the game up 10 nothing. It's late in the second quarter. They're holding on to the ball, and for the most part, you see good things, but then they just kind of make the plays that make you lose games. And at the very end of the game, they had just scored a touchdown to cut it to three. They get the ball back, and it feels like, okay, maybe for once, the Falcons are the ones that are going to give a little heartbreak out. And what do they do? They go four and out. They don't even get a first down. They give up a lot of pressure. That's, I mean, as sure a sign as any that something 
is no longer right with that offense. And maybe they'll never be as right as they were last year, but certainly something is off. I mean, look at it this way. Julio Jones, everyone was talking about it last week, and it was popping up. It even popped up in our NFL media research notes how there had been all these other lesser receivers and even running backs that had more targets than Julio Jones this season. Uh, He was targeted 12 times, which is a lot today. Six catches for 118, but... That drop, I mean, that's the difference between winning and losing games. And sometimes the team just doesn't have the juice. And you wonder if this team is just its just not going to happen this year. I see their season completely on the brink because you come out of this and you have to deal next week with the Cowboys. After that, the Seahawks, you stole the Vikings and the Saints twice on this schedule. Yeah, and I, I just don't see them as a better team than any of I, those teams. I thought they could maybe help start to turn their season around because I thought offensively overall they were pretty good in New Jersey last week and that, you know, if you could get a road win like this, it was going in that direction. You've got to give the, the Panthers a lot of credit who win ugly. I mean, the the key sequence of the game was it's second and two in the second quarter. Falcons are just rolling and they stone the Falcons three straight running plays. And then after that, it was like the Falcons were afraid to run the ball. It's like they totally gave up. And the Panthers, meanwhile, they had their best running day in I don't know how many years, over 200 yards rushing. They've given up on the whole, hey, let's not put Cam in harm's way. Cam running the ball is, is main is their main offense. Well, I mean, and, and, and the running that came it, with McCaffrey was mostly off of Cam faking him out or a read option or something. Like and maybe that. that's the best thing for the right. game because if you add it up, 24 carries for almost 150 yards or just over 150 yards between the two of them, Cam alone, nine for 86 and a touch. Uh, they finally had something of a running game. Maybe that's just what it is with this team. For it to, uh, They had the special season in 2015 where, where they were getting more help from other players. But Cam is always going to be the focal point of this team. Yeah, it's, it feels I, – I see the 201 yards. It's a little, I, feels I still, unsustainable. Yeah, it's, exactly. And I don't – I still don't buy that as a reason to trade away Kelvin Benjamin. That's a trade that still I think is mysterious to the three of us. Curtis Samuel led the team in snaps today, but he only had – But so fast. Yards. They're so fast now without <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin. By the way, Cam Newton was asked <laughs> after the game um, – oh, what it was like, you know, to to not have his former number one wide receiver, who's now in Buffalo, of course. But yeah, we just lost a great player. But nevertheless, you know, the 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 Titanic still has to go. I mean, <laughs> it was a oh, poor- stupid is what he stupid does. So, I, you know, it was a poor choice of words. No, it was stupid. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he only watched the first half of Titanic. That's not it's a kind of. It's why kind of a boring. Off the hook? That is not a poor it's, choice of words. It's a joke. It's a joke. The <laughs> I didn't really think he turned go. the Titanic off. Everybody, everybody was always looking to Cam give him a pass. Yeah, well, you better know with the Titanic what happened with the Titanic. Come on, man. He, he cut out of that film when DiCaprio was painting I, Kate Winslet and thought right. everything's wonderful from here on out. <laughs> or there is the other way to look at it is that Cam Newton knows exactly what the Titanic's all about. He knows that it's the greatest seafaring tragedy of all time, um, or of at least the 20th, 20th century. And he believes that the Panthers are a doomed ship. I like this. You're, just being you're, I like that you're hinting at much darker seafaring incidents from before our century. I don't want to get into them okay. right now. This is a family <laughs> podcast. Uh, but this, I, maybe he knows that the Panthers, even though they're 6-3, and three, they're not going anywhere. So he's just keeping it well, real. Very yeah. honest comment. In which case, I take everything back. Next and, level. Yeah, I respect them. Yeah, back. okay. <laughs> Luke Keekley, by the way, was insane. And Thomas Davis was insane. And James Bradbury w- had a really good game overall. And it's like this defense, if they can figure some things out, I think they have enough ingredients where they could be a little more inspiring. Are they going to have like eight? They're going to have like five more games that finish 20 to 17. Right. That's who this team is. Before they sink to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. That's correct. <laughs> yes. Icy the cold Titanic water. still has to go. Let's uh, move on. It may be an opportunity for a return if it's a That's punt my favorite that hangs a little bit for Ted so Ginn Jr. His longest punt return as a Saint, just 17 yards. Oh, and it's blocked. The Saints have blocked it and taken it in for the touchdown. Coming through cleanly to do so is Justin Hardy, and the Saints are celebrating at the back of the end zone. Build that man a statue. Put it in front of the Superdome. Jim Henderson, WWL, with the call. The Saints had it all clicking at the Superdome. And it started with that punt return, punt block and recovery for a touchdown by Justin Hardy. A 30-10 win over the listless Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's six straight wins for the Saints. Uh, who delivered one of the most one of the most balanced all-round efforts you'll see from any team. In a game this season, Greg, we did our Sky Sports hit, which I hope everyone's been tracking. We do one in the morning before the early kickoff, and then we do one after the late games conclude. Um, And 
Uh, I said it there. If you go and watch the game pass, you'll see the Saints are playing as well as a team can play. Uh, special teams, you just heard that with Hardy, running the football, mm. uh, both Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Uh, they combined to average over five and a half yards per rush. Uh, Drew Brees, Drew Brees, he, he completed over 80% of his passes, and the defense completely uh, shut down the Bucks and knocked Jameis Winston out of this game. So wow. the Saints are on fire right 200 now. 200 yards for the Bucks and and Kamara. I mean, I, I know we were talking Carson Wentz for MVP, but I don't know. When you put up 150 yards from scrimmage as a rookie and then after, Silky the, smooth. after the game you wear a Cash Money Records T-shirt, I think put Alvin Kamara in the MVP discussion. Uh, rookie of the Year discussion. <laughs> Well, did you catch that part about the cash? Yeah, it was really the, it was really the T-shirt that put it over. That the should top. put that should that should change everything. Um, yeah, the, the the Saints look they look tremendous and uh, should be uh, definitely taken uh, seriously in the NFC. Six they, straight wins. They are for real. Uh, the Bucks, on the other hand, they are my pick for the most disappointing team in the league this year, and I, I feel like uh, they're two and six now. The season is essentially over. A basic no show. Um, today and what should have been their season on the line. And just like I was saying with Ben McAdoo, I think Dirk Cutter is in serious danger. Um, uh, there was a, uh, a part in this game where Winston had left. He had re-aggravated the shoulder injury on a hit in the first half. So Ryan Fitzpatrick finished the game. And what happened was he, uh, Winston on the sideline, taps. I'm trying to think who it was. It was they, Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, it was Marshawn Lattimore. He tapped him on the back of the helmet, came onto the field even though he wasn't playing. Um, Lattimore turns around, and then Mike Evans Why at did he full tap him? speed. Uh, they had words on the sidelines, okay. it looked like. And then at full speed, Mike Evans crashes into Lattimore and decks him, leading to a fight. Uh, somehow, I have no idea, even the, the Fox cameras caught it. Like, Mike Evans couldn't believe he was only penalized uh, for the play, but he'll get... Absolutely should have been ejected. Oh, yeah. He'll... On a day where A.J. Green was ejected for nothing more offensive. It was an equally right. crazy well, play. Well, look at, look at Jalen Ramsey. It was, he was, well, that's another game. We'll right. get to it. But, uh, yeah, I thought that kind of typified uh, what how Cutter's kind of lost this team. And then mm. the thing that drives me crazy as a, a football fan... Uh, of my teams, like when something's going on with the, with your team, and whether it's a discipline issue or just a no-show performance, like a minute later, they cut to Cutter on the sideline, and he's emotionless and just staring straight ahead. And you're just, I'm sure it's a lot going through his mind at the time. But hell, I want my coach like down there getting in people's faces because you you didn't show up in the game. You're getting embarrassed. I think it was 30 to three at the time. Wow. And then your star players are both involved in a completely needless skirmish. I mean, this was as bad a look as you could have for a team. And this Bucks season is just completely lost. And and it, it, if anyone would have said in August that it would have been Sean Payton in a game like this that would have come out looking at this point in the season, like he's got his complete. Mojo back. He's he looked. His offense is as creative as any offense in the league right now. The way he's using his running backs, the way he's getting players that failed in other places to shine right now. The Saints are a legit threat in the NFC. And and he has what could be the best defense that he's had since he's been there. I love what Marshawn Lattimore said after the game, which is he was he appreciated the fact that Mike Evans was not ejected because. He later made a pass breakup on Mike Evans. Mike Evans was held to 13 yards on six targets, and he said he said he he wanted Evans to stay in. He says he said that's how you retaliate to that on the field. We're not on the streets. Yeah, that shut him down. I like that. We're not on the streets. I love that quote, and I also think and I you know Evans seemed like a nice enough fellow on Hard Knocks. Uh, but that kind of play and how strange and uh, out of nowhere it was, it looked like a play like a guy was done playing and wanted to go home. Like he was ready to go to the locker room yeah. and didn't want to compete anymore. It was like a I quit get, uh, play and he's like waiting to get tossed and it didn't happen. You know what we're getting from Greg here? What? This feeling inside of Greg's heart that he could see a New England, New Orleans Super Bowl, his two teams that it's... it's what a tough spot for Greg. Though. There's a possibility that he could double down as a fan. That wouldn't be tough. It'd be great. Who'd you root for? Come on. I'm serious. What do you, what do you mean, who that, would I root for? All you I'm not that all, much of a Saints it's all, fan. It's all gravy at this point and all that stuff I'm, with the Patriots. I, if I saw the Saints against the team of ATL, I don't know who I'd root for. Those are two. Wow. Wow. And um, 
one more uh, note on this game. Uh, scary moment in the third quarter. Bucks defensive end William Golston. Uh, strange play. He was in a pass rush and he kind of just collapsed to the turf and then was motionless on the turf and it was you know said to be a neck injury. He got immobilized, stretchered off. Uh, but the good news is that uh, it doesn't appear to be too serious. But it was at the moment uh, very uh, kind of upsetting, clearly to both sides because of the nature of the injury. But good news that it's not serious. Um, what is serious is the situation in Tampa and yeah, Saints. They are a stud team, Greg. I'm all the way in. Let's move on. Mariota rolls right, looking back to the left. He fires. Man is wide open. Decker, touchdown, Titans. Eric Decker in the red zone. Mike Keith, WGFX, with the call. Marcus Marcus Mariota threw for 218 yards, two scores, including that important fourth quarter strike to Eric Decker. As touchdown, Tennessee Titans <laughs> beat the Baltimore Ravens 23-20. That's three straight wins for the Titans. Um, I had requested that Ms. Fulton uh, cut that that touchdown toss because uh, I was giving it to Greg a little bit downstairs in the newsroom because Greg had famously has Marcus Mariota uh, ranked as the number 10 quarterback this season. The country has been buzzing about it. Really yes. the most important news to happen all week. And Baltimore scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter to get this within three points, even though Tennessee clearly was the superior team in this game. Uh, and then they put the ensuing kickoff into the end zone. So here come uh, the Titans on the field with Mariota, and I said, hey, you got a top-10 quarterback. Salt this game away, and, and what did the uh, Titans do? They go straight down the field, score that touchdown. Game touchdown! He heard you. He heard. He literally heard me, and that's why that happened. So uh, that was a not a not an awe-inspiring effort from the Titans. In fact, they were outgained in the game, three forty-one to two fifty-seven. I still have serious doubts about this offense. Derrick Henry, um, excuse me, Demarco Murray finally came off the injury report and uh, then uh, had a knee injury. So he's uh, continuing to battle uh, injury issues this year. You don't know how much he has left, uh, but. The Titans get it done against the Ravens, who have now lost three of four. Uh, they're four and five now. Yikes. Joe Flacco, after the game, said, you can't play too much worse than we've been playing. And I think that's true. I mean, they, I think they won 40 to nothing in their last game, but no, it was I get not it. particularly impressive on offense. I think he's saying offensively and yeah. as a passing game. I, I think that's true. With a veteran group, which they mostly have, it hasn't really been injuries on the offensive line you know, I guess they were they were before the season. Like, I don't think you can play much worse than they're playing. It's pretty wild but to watch y- the Ravens this bad. And yet, I I'm still waiting to be ultra impressed by the Titans. I I they they've deviated from what what made me enjoy them last year, which was just their power run game. You don't have a single back with over 26 yards in this game for Tennessee. Is that how it looked watching it? That they just simply couldn't. Move the ball? It is not. When you go back on Game Pass, this is not going to be the game that sticks with you. Uh, they just, they, they just they, There wasn't a lot of wow plays. I think they kind of just waited out the Ravens, and they got ahead. And then when it's the like Ravens, if you like Tennessee's 12-9 win over Cleveland, you'll love this game. <laughs> yeah, and you know the score even looks a little closer than it ended up because the Ravens got a, a touchdown in the last minute uh, and then touchdown! failed on an onside kick. But, you know. I, I mean, sometimes a game, what am I going to say? I mean, yeah. the Titans, they did what they were supposed to do, but am I still going nuts about it? Even though you have appropriately streak? sold it to me. Mark, yeah. Mark and I were, were speaking you know, before the podcast. I think this is a common theme that you're not – you don't like this big, soft, generic sort of middle of the NFL that exists right now. And I think this game, these teams – are a prime example of this what you're talking about. This is a portrait of that. Yeah, this I is- mean, it's just because, well, because, you know, it's our job to go track and watch all of this. And some of this, this, I was sort of eyeing this from a distance, and it just looked like rough football to observe. But, but if you're a Titans fan or you're a Jags fan, I know we're going to get to that. Suddenly, it's a two-team race in a division that between those two teams, they've won one division title since 2002. So this has been a division dominated by the other two, and so if you're a Titans fan, you know, hey, it's not pretty, Mark Sessler. We're fine. No, no, no. But and you get, and I, to their credit, you get Corey Davis back this week. You'll see more of him next week. Maybe Mariota's getting healthier and healthier. So yeah, it's nice to have not just a one-team scenario in the South. All right, let's move on. Savage waits for the snap. He gets it. 
Looks, looks. He's hit the ball free. Colts are going to win it. The Colts are going to win it. A strip sack, and the Colts win 20 to 14. Savage on fourth down. Who hit him? <laughs> so many questions. I'll tell you who hit him. Former Brown, Jabal Sheard, with the hit. Had a nice season, Jabal Sheard. And oh. I'll tell you what, Parkevius Mingo was involved as well. And I'll <laughs> tell you one more thing. Every time I hear Bob Lamey of WLHK, I'm waiting for another F bomb. Colts are going to win it. The Colts are going to win. Remember the F bomb from Lamey last year? I do. I do. Yeah, that was. Mark, a big... do you remember last year? That was a big plot line in this podcast. A lot of empty spaces from last year. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I can't believe you don't remember Lamey's F bomb. I'll think on it more. I, at this point, I do not. I'm like when you. Yes, no. <laughs> Javal Shear delivered the game to setting strips. I'm Please. actually nervous. Of Tom Savage wrapping up a 2014 road win. Um, for the Colts over a Houston Texans team that looked very much lost uh, at sea with without Deshaun Watson, who, of course, tore his ACL in practice last week. T.Y. Hilton had 175 yards receiving with two touchdowns. Uh, the Colts end a three-game skid. Greg, uh, someone had to win this one. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean much, but the Colts were so much better that I was really – pleased at the end of the game that we want to talk about a soft middle here's your soft middle well they, these guys these teams aren't in the middle they're they're toward like a hiney they're they're toward the bottom and it's, it's like you, the buttocks of the nfl where that's where we're at now i know what the buttocks is that's <laughs> what, a few other teams what is happening right now uh tom savage started this game and really throughout but they moved the ball a little bit late even worse than i think you would have imagined that it could have gone he was nine for 27 to start the game, at, you know, at one point he's five for seventeen. I think at halftime, Jake Brisket, on the other hand, looked really good. I think he looked good against Cincinnati. They deserve to win that game. They deserve to win this game. You know, they're not a great team. What do you want to say? But he's he's doing pretty well in this spot, and they were significantly better coached and just defensively everything. They were better today. Let's move on. High snap to punter Kevin Huber, left-footed punt, shot in the air, down a backpedaling Jadon Mickens, brings it in at his 37, makes two different Bengals miss, now a third, surges up over midfield, 45-40, angles near left, another Bengal whips 30, 25-20, 15-10, blockers, launching on a tumble, somersaults into the end zone for a touchdown. Andrew Catalan from CBS with the call. Nice call, Andrew. Jadon Mickens, 63-yard punt return. Uh, that was like the Ivan Drago on Apollo Creed final blow. I watched Rocky Four this morning with my son. My son Jack, his first <laughs> boxing match he ever saw was Apollo Creed being murdered in the ring by a Russian thug. I like that introduction to the sport. Anyway, 63 yards to the house. The Jaguars, a 23-7 to win over the Bengals at the Chlorine Pit. That's what I'm calling the Jacksonville home stadium. Is that, what do you think? I don't think that's the official name. That's the nickname? <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a nickname. Obviously, okay. it's, a nickname. it's a very new nickname. Very new. Brand 12 new. or 13 seconds old. Mark, A.J. Green got ejected uh, for going full WWE on Jalen Ramsey, but that was the only fight since he showed against a superior Jacksonville team. Yeah. Hey, Bengals, see you later. <laughs> You're waiting for this. Well, it's over. And this, this feels this, good, though. Feels you know good. what? It is time. We are into November. It is time to separate the trash from what I can only call the non-trash. Oh, you know what? That makes a perfect timing for us to finally, at long last, wheel out the stick a fork in them podcast on Tuesday. Like that. We got a plenty of candidates for that. One of them definitely will be, spoiler alert, the Cincinnati Bengals who laid a massive egg. Listen, well, we'll be up for a vote. We have to get together. I would like to meet the, the person schmear. that will vote for the Bengals. Chris Wesley calling in is going to stop He'll be his on my hometown side. team. No, he'll be on my obviously side. Obviously, he would be. Go ahead, Mark. Jacksonville, 78 plays, 400 yards to 148 yards and 37 plays for the offensive offense of the Bengals. Eight first downs for the Bengals. They oh, might be the worst brutal. running game or one of the worst running games in the league, despite having Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill. It's pretty wacky. Hill, Hill was not available today, but I don't think that would have made any difference. This defense dominated them. And I think Mixon... We spent a lot of time talking about Mixon in the offseason, and for, and for good reason. He looked like a special running back and athlete, and we're not seeing it. 2.4 yards per I mean, carry today. Every week it feels like that. I, I was going to say, his stat line, 13 for 31. He did have a touchdown, but I feel like 13 for 31, he's done that about five times this year. 
Well, and the thing was, when A.J. Green, you get him ejected after he has a... You'll have to go watch this if you haven't seen it. Just a crazy takedown of Jalen Ramsey, who was jawing with him all day. I love Jalen Ramsey, but I understand why he annoys wide receivers. It's not the first guy that's gotten irritated at the Jaguars quarterback. But one catch for six yards for A.J. Green. There's no player in the league whose offense is more reliant on so-and-so than the Bengals are on A.J. Green. And this was... You take him out of the equation, they had no shot in the second. Well, and they were, they were playing the best... Right now, probably the best, certainly the best pass defense in the league. They haven't been a great run defense, but now you had Marcel Darius. PFF, for what it's worth, thought he had a big impact in limited snaps. So you improve your run defense, too. You got Calais Campbell setting franchise record for sacks. You got Jalen Ramsey, maybe he's the best cornerback in the league. And you have Blake Bortles. Now he's starting to stack up games where it's like, okay, let's let Blake Bortles throw the ball 27 times in the first half because Leonard Fournette was deactivated, apparently, for being a knucklehead. And we're winning these games pretty comfortably. There was a weird incident at the end of the game. They showed uh, Bortles, literally after they won, coming off the field and jawing with Coach Doug Marone. Like, it's almost, I don't know if it was just a, a moment of being competitive or kind of a told you so, I can throw the ball 38 times and we can still win, but mm. it was a weird moment. And Doug Marone, not a complete stranger to in-house controversies. No, he's not. And I am happy that um, Knucklehead is staying in the lexicon. <laughs> very, very, by, by a thread. Like it's been on the, it's been hanging by a thread for 50 years, 80 years maybe. But it just stays there. And you said knucklehead, and I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, I might have said bonehead. But I like that knucklehead continues to pop up in society once every week or two weeks or so. <laughs> but it happened on our podcast. I don't get what knucklehead actually means or what bonehead even means. Well, in this case, the reports were Fair. that he missed some team meetings or perhaps treatment. No, I get what no, you're saying. We all get that. We no, all I know. Get that. I'm, I'm giving said, context to, okay. for, the, for the list there and then saying <laughs> not making good life decisions. That I get. I, but, okay. but when we said let's coin a phrase for an idiot, a knuckle head, okay. like your head is shaped like knuckles, or a bone head. We all have oh, a bone in our I got a theory for knuckle head. Okay. Kind of like a Cro-Magnum man, like where you're kind of, you have a bumpy type head, like it's, that would be kind of associated with not being intelligent. Okay. I mean, that's... Bonehead? You got me. I just don't know. Yeah. I'm at us, root word linguist. <laughs> the, the Jaguars have won five games this year. Not one of them was competitive. It's pretty interesting. I mean, I know the Steelers game was competitive for a long time, but all of their wins are by 20 points or more. This was the closest or until this game. They're, they're winning cup. Like the Jags are. The, this is something. Yeah. I kind of like that. Well, if it's for real, think about it. Like the fact that they didn't have their rookie sensation at running back and they still got the job done easily. And Blake Bortles is making throws. If Blake Bortles is making throws. Uh, you know, the Titanic is going to keep sailing in Jacksonville <laughs> because <laughs> everything's going to be fine. Go. And think about it. Like if the quarterback is just OK, that's all they need. As long as Fournette, uh, his knucklehead act doesn't continue and the defense stays healthy. This team could win some games in January. I can't even believe I'm saying that. They're they're managing him well. They're scheming up some plays. Like it's all it's all coming up Coughlin. Woo! That's why he won <laughs> the around the NFL old guy of the first half. If you saw or, or uh, what was that an NFL Network hit? Yeah, I went with Santa these. Claus, who I still think has done more for the Earth than Tom Coughlin. Oh, NFL but. Pick'em, which of course everyone should watch every weekend. All right, let's move on. Car going to throw a bomb deep for the post there for Johnny Holton. Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! That's our boy, Greg Papa of KGMZ. GP. With the call, Derek Carr threw one touchdown pass on Sunday night, and it was to the great Johnny Holton, whose 44-yard catch put the Raiders well out in front, and they held on for a 27-24 win over the Dolphins, uh, who dropped to 500. This game played at Hard Rock Cafe Stadium. Is there no cafe? Is it just no, Hard, Rock Hard Rock Stadium? Hard Rock Stadium. No cafe. Land Shark Stadium? I, I can't keep track. So many Mark's names. a big fan of Hard Rock Cafe. No, I questioned its relevance. Mark actually has, right now, he's wearing one of those jean jackets with a patch. It's like Hard Rock Cafe, Soul. 
North uh, South Korea. <laughs> That's that is accurate. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the Raiders get a win they needed, uh, Greg Rosenthal, uh, and the Dolphins. Well, you know they're the Dolphins. Well, the Dolphins actually had a pulse on offense. For the first time, seemingly all season, Jay Cutler completing his first 10 passes, going over 300 yards. They moved the ball up and down the field. But then the defense didn't show up. And I like games like this where teams start to return to the levels that they should be. The Redskins-Seahawks game, to me, was similar in that the Redskins deserve to be 500 the way they play. The Dolphins deserve to have their record come back to the pack. And the Raiders, I think, have been a little better than a 3-5 and five team. So justice prevailed on Sunday Night Football. Justice? Hmm. I, I mean, I still like don't, I don't know what to justice. make. I don't know this what to make of the Raiders, justice. though. I mean, I don't know what to make of the Raiders at this point. You're four and five. Eh. Well, you, you say that, and I, I get I'm you. Not, it's, I'm I not knocking you. them. I just I don't. Uh, I get it. What's there to get? They don't it, have a. De- their defense is so bad that they give up 300 yards to Jay Cutler and make them look good for the first time all season. That that's what sure, I get. Sure, but I, you know, some of those Jay Cutler yards were, were padding at the end of the game. There's a reason, by the way. I locked this game up. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's six in a row for the old Zeuser. Uh, and Greg, you may be right. This hole is getting too deep for you. But oh, it's over. Um, this is not a, a great win, but it's still it's a road win uh, uh, on in prime time against a not terrible Dolphins team. And if you believe and I, I sincerely do believe it and we could talk about it when the four committee meets on Tuesday. But I think the the Raiders have a run in them still. And even if they still don't have things figured out and as flawed as they've seen, seen this year, um, I still think that the Raiders are going to be in the mix in December. So you have to go get a win like this. And that's what they did. So it wasn't a, a thing of beauty, but it was a win they needed and they got. Well, it's one of the better games by Derek Carr all season. He had the late interception, but other than that, he played really well. The Dolphins, though, I, I don't know what to take beating the Dolphins. They were the num- the 31st team in the league, according to Football Outsiders. They-, they have the Dolphins worse than the Browns. Seems a little crazy. And the 49ers, for what it's worth. I don't know how they're... I think they're going to be able to not really put together many wins or figure out how to win games down the stretch. But at least the Raiders, a, lot, two, a-, a few of the last few weeks, have been able to move the ball offensively and look a little bit like they did last I week. thought Kenyon Drake playing, obviously, in replace of Jay Ajayi had some good moments. Um, I just I I think this is an aberration for Jay Cutler. He's going to come screaming back to earth. And I think on the Raiders side, Marshawn Lynch had an impact in this game. Two touchdowns. Uh, he kind of looked like Marshawn Lynch at times in this game. Not overwhelming production from him, but uh, I think it was a, a step in the right direction. He'd become kind of invisible uh, of late. And then uh, the other on, on the negative side, Amari Cooper again looked. Like the lost Amari Cooper, uh, he did have four catches in this game, but he had at least two bad drops. And they really, if this if this offense is going to be consistent, uh, he is going to have to become consistent and be a true number one receiver. There's still a way to go on that front. And I know that you were hoping this game would would delve into overtime, and it didn't happen for you. Are you you doing okay? No, because I had the Raiders on lock. I didn't want this thing going on. I also want to go home, so it's like, well, I don't know. no, you definitely read that wrong. I wasn't ready to say goodbye to the 2017 Raiders. <laughs> it's not that I wasn't playing ball with the bit there, Mark, but it was just like I can just I, I lie simply, totally. I there. simply read it as poorly as possible. <laughs> um, there you go. So the Raiders four and five, Dolphins four and four, and away we go. Uh, that is the Sunday Week Nine recap. The next time you do hear from us will be on Tuesday, so make sure you check that out. Um, and thank you to everybody uh, for listening. Uh, if you want to be involved uh, with the Around the NFL podcast audience, hit up this subreddit mm. at Around Around the NFL. A great group over there led by the great Greeby. Um, and also, please leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes because that helps, especially right now. you got some things cooking down the road and all the support um, it will matter and help us in the long run. So we're calling on you guys to help us out with that. I thought you were going to say if you're interested in perhaps joining the show, maybe replacing me on the lock segment could be a <laughs> the top ten still has to go. I'm trading draft picks. I'm looking ahead to next year, so that's a, that's a possibility. Um, yeah, that too, possibly. Mark, Mark will run that competition. Actually, no, I don't have time for that. Okay, okay. I will not be involved at all. Any update on ATN Cat before we go? A little concerned about ATN Cat. Had to take an emergency trip uh, to a, a vet of some sort today. I was at work, but I heard about this. And Who's paying for this? 
Well, I mean, I you think the, you we have a very helpful neighbor that has been, she has been a, a rock during this uh, raising of ATN cats. So we're, it's, it seems to be, uh, I've tweeted out a photo tonight uh, from the home front where oh, good. cat is gaining a little bit of weight, but it's, it's, well, you know, it's. I just don't want you dip it, put it this way. I am an animal lover, but I don't want I you. I can tell. I don't want you dipping into like the kid's college fund. To keep this feral cat alive. That's all. I mean, if we had a college fund for our kids, that would be of a concern. <laughs> I'd be happy to help. You know, I, I rescue cats. I already have two black cats, by the way. So You want three? Our producer's a cat lady, so we got I'm a lot of things going definitely on Definitely right a cat lady. Yeah, there we go. I, ha- I mean, uh, I love dogs, too. I have a dog as well, an a old blind puggle, but... I mean, I would we would keep ATN cat, but... Uh, Daddy is vastly allergic to cats. Well, yeah, you also said you don't like cats, and you... I, I and feel you differently now. You no, we're still doing the podcast, it. by the way. I feel differently now. Oh, this, really? this cat changed <laughs> my... Well, <laughs> personal experiences change your That's your great. Opinions, I'm so. great. Yeah, I might... We got to take that cat. We got to give it to Lindsay. All right. This is Stan Hansen signing off. Well, more on the cat on Tuesday. Signing off for a quiet storm. Uh, the old boss and Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Yes, till Tuesday. Live, cat! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.